there is balm in Gilead to make the wounded Maskil of David, when Doeg the Enamite came and told Saul, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. Salah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Salah. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever, because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good, in the presence of the godly. Psalm 52 in the ESV. Well, a very warm welcome to all of you out there in Radio Land. Uh, this is Grant Baker, one of the co-hosts tonight of the Balm and Gilead podcast. And with me are good old FNH, our good friend from Not the Bee. Hi. And of course, Brian, the man, Emerson, coming to you straight out of St. Louis. That is me. Hello. <laughs> Great to see you guys. Good to good to good to connect. It's been a little bit uh, since our last episode, and so coming to you live from uh, well the uh, places where we live and by the magic of the internets, we're bringing it here to you. So, uh, you know, first thing, first things, uh, you you know, like, uh, how's your week been? I mean, Memorial day weekend when we're recording this, hopefully you're getting out there and spending some quality time with the barbecue grill and your family. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully Joe Biden in his infinite wisdom has been able to give us uh, one of a kind, uh, celebration and memorial day where we can have less expensive meats um such as dog uh, i don't know what's what's cheap right now i don't think there's anything cheap right now probably yes. lucky charms we'll probably have a, we'll probably have a right yeah we'll have a lucky charms uh uh lunch for memorial day hey no, at we'll least probably we got have something save, at least we got to save 12 cents on fourth of july a couple years ago that's right. And or last year. I don't think we saved any money on Thanksgiving. 
No, it was like up. Did, no, that was like four dollars more they, expensive. They, actually, they, they did recommend us not eat turkey and eat something else, which is just tofu. Yeah, yeah. got to support the soybean farmers. Uh-huh. Yep, good old tofurkey. <laughs> just, just, I wouldn't just, say. Just be like Christmas Story. Just find your local. Just find your local Asian. Um, Deck the Hars with bars of Java restaurant. Fra ra 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 ra. Apparently, that whole chopping the duck heads off scene is actually real. Uh, that was a legitimate scream from her because it was so unexpected for her. So, according to good. the people that were in the movie. That duck did not die in vain. Anyway, I don't know how we got off on that, but... We got off on that. going to be the whole show. We're just going to be talking about... <laughs> this is the whole... <laughs> We're just going to talk about Chinese uh, Peking duck and uh, Memorial Day. <laughs> I'm just going to have a bonus content of all of the tangents in one stream, and there's not going to be any warning from one to the other, and it's just going to be... Yeah, y'all, this is y'all really this didn't is learn your lesson this. last time. You really didn't. And now you have me on again, and now uh, we're never going to get anything done. You're the one in Eastern Time Zone, man. No, No, I'm in Central. He's in Louisiana. Oh, you're in Central? Uh Shh. Secret location. He's in Texas. Central European. You don't even know his name. I'm in Central European time. Central European. I have no idea what his name is. Yeah. Yeah, never met him. Speaking of hiding in a bunker, (laughs) what are y'all listening to today? (laughs) That's better. Yes. So uh, I have been listening to podcasts mostly, um, but I found a couple really cool albums over the last couple days that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, The first is called Psalms for Congregations, Volume 2 by Matt Searles, S-E-A-R-L-S. That is my best guess on a pronunciation. It's not Searles. Um, It might be Searles. I'm not sure. He's British, I'm pretty sure. Um, He has several albums of Psalms that are on my playlist, um, but he came out with a new one. Most of these, I think, are more familiar tunes, but um, I don't think they're like Psalter texts. I think they're texts that he put together, but they're produced really, really, really well. Like This is a very cool album. I've I've enjoyed it. It's it's very congregational friendly because that's the point of it. Um, so it sounds musically like something you might hear from like a Sovereign Grace album, but it doesn't sound like it was produced in the 90s, if that makes any sense. Mm. Um, the other, I just found it literally, and like as I was cooking dinner, I was on the PresbyCast Discord and someone posted this. Uh, Brian Save is starting to write Westminster Shorter Catechism songs. And... Uh, and so he released an album of really, yeah, questions one through ten. And the guy that posted it on the Discord said it was, it sounds like Mumford and Sons doing Westminster Shorter Catechism. So, um, wild, yeah. So I listened through that album while I was cooking, while I was grilling out because you know, I, I grill out of it. You need to send me the link to the Westminster Shorter Catechism with Brian Suave because I am not, um, I'm not I, finding I think, it. Yeah, look on look look on look on the, the Presbycast Discord or this special place where we sometimes send each other things that I'm not talking about on the air yet. Okay, I will do that later. Yeah. Um, since I'm talking, I'd love to talk to you. I mean, my playlist looks like a um, 
a Presbyterian, um, just uh, really enjoys the well-done music. Um, Crown and Covenant. Crown and Covenant is number three this week, uh, over the past 30 days. Jenny Oaks Baker is number one, though. Uh, the aforementioned potential Mormon, um, but the Mormons do good music like we talked about. But then, number two, Jeff Lippincott. Have you all heard those? Uh, he has three or four albums, Jeff Lippincott. He did them with R.C. Sproul, uh, like okay, two of yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah, it's like with choir and orchestra, it's uh, fairly yeah. epic. Sounds like a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. Uh, we were on a work trip a little bit ago and I played them for the family on the, on the road because it was just, I love those albums. And so obviously that got picked up in there and then Sarah Sparks, number four, that'll come in handy later. Uh, and the number five was actually Thelonious Monk. So that is who I listen to whenever I need to be in a creative mode. So interesting. Thelonious Monk. D- yeah. Fantastic stuff. To- Tend to just listen to Bach. Um, Bach. When I try to be creative. Sp- oh, that's awesome. Specifically, Toccata and Fugue in D minor. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the one that sounds like uh, Vincent Price is about to jump through your door. <laughs> I don't know why, but I love that one. When I I used to write college papers all the time, just listening to that on repeat, <laughs> like a weirdo. <laughs> uh, I usually yeah. listen to John Foreman when I'm trying to be creative. So. Nice. So I'm like the well, we guy. all have our thing. Yeah. My, my, <clears throat> mine's just a little Vincent Pricey. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know if that makes me more weird or what. Um, what I've been listening to is uh, I haven't been catching up as much on the music as you guys have. I've been mostly listening to my Bible, um, which, Grant, I remember li- listening to you mention um, the ESV through the Bible in a year. And I caught up on that, and now I am currently up to date. Nice on that, so I'm, yeah. I'm pretty happy about that. All right, well, I say that I didn't listen to it this morning, but I will listen to today's and tomorrow's tomorrow. And, Great day um, for it. Yes, that's usually why I do it that way. And then, um, of course, I've been listening to. Uh, well, I haven't been listening to you guys recently because y'all weren't around really much. But I like to listen to ultimately with R.C. Sproul. I just like hearing his voice every so often. It's just nice to hear. Um, Make Believe Heroes, which is a podcast of Christian people that play Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, some of you may find that to be an oxymoron. Also, a friend of mine uh, or a couple of friends of mine that are in a band I mean, they're not, I mean I, I, we had them on our podcast a, a while ago called True, True Strength. They're mm-hmm. a Christian heavy metal band. They came out with a song um, called Chariot of God that is um, their, this, the song that they released, the single that's going to be covered by the album uh, that is based off of Ezekiel. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that when that comes out. The, fir- the first song that they came out with, uh, was the, I, I told him, I said that I, I'm afraid you just shredded your fingers to knuckles because <laughs> he was shredding pretty hard on that guitar. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out. I did also listen to Pendragon, by the way. 
Oh yeah. Um, a while back. Yeah. Wasn't recent, but I did listen to some Pendragon. Yeah. So I remember you said that you, you found a podcast where they were interviewed. Yeah. He got to explain his whole thing. Apparently he used to be uh, Pentecostal. So I can, I can see that. Yeah. But he's not <laughs> as much anymore. Um, but he's still Christian very much so. But uh, uh, one of the things that I've been listening to that I was kind of saving was uh, Sea Shanties for Good Christian Boys. And oh, nice. Wow. Nothing it, like... <laughs> oh, okay, there is nothing like so peak bubble Christian environment as that. Because, I, I mean, when were Sea Shanties popular? Like last year sometime? And like now there's the Christian version, like a year later after everybody's moved well, on. What's funny about this, you can check this playlist out on uh, oh, Spotify if you want to, but oh. it's not, I don't know why it says for good Christian boys. Cause it's not, there's nothing Christian about them. They're all just normal songs that we all know. Like, you know, Lever Johnny Wellerman, uh, you know, uh, Randy Dandio. So it's not like they have Jesus put in all these lyrics. It's, for some reason that's just the name of the title so i was when i saw it i was like oh i need to listen to this and then i was like oh it's every single sea shanty playlist i've ever listened to so not that it's bad how many have you listened to um let's move on so (laughs) (laughs) that sounds sounds like a good a good time to, to do that so um a good, a good, a good healthy number. A, a friend of mine actually, when we, back in college, we used to sing, we used to drink uh, scotch and Irish whiskey and bourbon. Although he didn't like bourbon much, I mostly drink the bourbon. And um, we also like gin and tonics, and we would sing sea shanties um, while we drank sometimes at his house. So, well, that sounds yeah. like a good time. I mean, it seems yeah, it seems appropriate there. I mean. Yeah. What else so. are you going to? Unless you're doing a TikTok video. But that was. Uh, so yeah, I don't have a TikTok, so I feel I, I I feel like I liked it before it was cool. If that makes any sense. Before yeah. all these normies showed up. <laughs> yeah, the good Christian boys, you mean? Yeah, the good Christian boys. I feel like the good Christian boys were listening to it before the the normies, but that's just my opinion anyway. So yeah, and I also listened to the uh, podcast episode that uh, Brian was in on recently. So yeah, now that's a good segue to that. Sure, sure is. So uh, you may have noticed that this is a that there's a three week gap in between our last episode and this one. If you're listening to it in real time, but um, typically I would try to throw in a flying solo episode if I know that there's going to be a three week gap. But I didn't this last time because I was. Uh, I was on another podcast uh, last week called Super Reformed Bros, and uh, there's another nice. Uh, yeah, there's there's another user on uh, on not the B named Calvin Ox, and he spells it about the most complicated way you could spell Calvin Ox. But uh, he and his younger brother have a podcast, and it's just it's a fun fun time. Two brothers having fun talking about random stuff, but, uh, yeah, Calvin Ox had, had posted on not the be, Hey, if anyone ever wanted to be on a podcast, let me know. So I was like, I'll be on your podcast. And so, so I was, 
It was a lot of fun. So I did that last week. That's awesome. Playing solo. Yeah. So I got to Very share cool. some it of really, my. It really should. I got to Go share ahead, some sorry. of my deepest secrets of my 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 fears and those fears that I need to overcome and maybe. And it wasn't Cthulhu. And it wasn't. There's was a lot of songs about that. Yeah, it, 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 it was the Cthulian spawns known as jellyfish. Yes. Yes, I'm afraid of jellyfish. I spoiled it for you. It's all right. Uh, I, I said, uh, go listen to of, the episode if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just go listen to the episode and fast forward to the very end, but don't fast forward all the way to the very end. Because I'm also it's a terrified episode. of jellyfish. Well, you have, you have reason. I don't, but that's cause I actually got, yeah, I do have reason. I used to get stung by them all the time. And then I had a friend who, when he was in Hawaii, got stung by a man of war. Ooh. And I was just, we had those growing up in Florida. Those are no joke. Yeah. It like, it was like all up and down his leg. I was like, nah. So I have a piece of follow-up. This is uh, from our last episode where we did a review of Rest on Us and um, O Creative One. And uh, so I had a a conversation with a coworker who listened to my podcast as well. And I just wanted to uh, kind of address some things that were were said. Uh, I want to make a clear distinction when we do reviews uh, between what I am going to call an open-handed criticism and a closed-handed criticism, I've in the past. I've is used this a Chris like, Rock reference? No, no, okay. it is not. Nor is this the Oscars. But um, I, in the past, I've used things like yellow flag and red flag. But I think open-handed and closed-handed makes more sense. Uh, a closed-handed criticism is based on objective issues found in the lyrics that that don't line up with our core beliefs. Um, an open-handed criticism, on the other hand, it's, uh, it's based on opinion and preference. And while it is important enough to discuss and might be important enough for like me to not want to use a song, it doesn't carry the same weight as a closed handed, uh, criticism. So in the last episode, we, we pointed out, um, so I'm going to I'm going to call this a closed-handed issue that we had with the song "Rest on Us" by Maverick City. Uh, the song talks about the spirit and the way the spirit works in ways that that don't line up with scripture, at least the way that we uh, understand scripture. And so we would never use the song because we don't believe it's it's biblical. Um, but on the other hand, we talked about some nuanced issues that we had with some of the choice of words in the song, Oh Creative One by Providence, namely the, the words renovate and uh, in creative. And, and I wanted to make a clear distinction that in those two particular issues, uh, we don't find that that's not biblical language. We don't find that those are uh, that those lead down a, a path where we wouldn't want to necessarily use the song. Um, whereas we, we may not have chosen to use the words renovate uh, because of a nuanced implication that could be used to support the rejection of original sin. Um, we don't see that as, as anyone else picking up on that. Um, also, we could easily address that particular word choice with uh, with a liturgy or with a brief explanation of the song. Um, but, you know, we don't see it as like necessarily teaching that original sin doesn't exist. Um, 
a similar example uh, that I've talked about on previous uh, episodes, as well as a 6,000 word essay that, uh, that uh, Justin posted on sound and worship, as well as something that I mentioned on the episode nine of super reform bros um, in the song reckless love. It uses the word reckless uh, and that we consider it to be a closed handed issue because God is not reckless and saying otherwise is a misrepresentation of God. Uh, there's another word that's used in the song that he says worth, and, you know, well, I felt no worth you paid it all for me. And we consider that to be an open handed issue. I see that as, you know, he is explaining that we have this intrinsic worth. That's more than, um, more than just being in the image of God that, that I, that God saved me because I was worth saving. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's biblical, but that we would still say is, is an open-handed issue. Uh, you can use things to explain uh, the way that the song works to make it biblical, whereas the song itself still has issues with it. But uh, but that 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 particular example would be an open-handed issue. Um, also, a major difference is that Corey Asbury does believe that what what I said about worth, he does believe that God saved him because he was worth it that he had more worth than someone else. And I don't, I don't believe that. Um, but I don't necessarily believe based on what I know of Providence to think that they don't believe in original sin. Uh, everything else they have is pretty solid. I think it was just a nuanced argument that, um, that kind of rubbed Spencer the wrong way when he heard the word, but, uh, that's, so it's a long ramble. I apologize for, the rambleness of that, but yeah, open-handed and closed-handed issues. We will try as we move forward to make those distinctions. All right. We just consider that like open-handed would be like Will Smith slaps. Oh, you were, you, you got up from the, from your chair and you walked out of the room when, when Grant made the same joke. Oh, did he? <laughs> Except you got the guy's name, right? I called him something else. No, you said Chris amazing. Rock. And oh, I said Chris Rock. That's right. I'm curious to know, although I'm sure, that we won't have any feedback from the audience, but I'm sure y'all, none of y'all knew how stealthy I was getting out of here to grab me another cup of coffee and back. That was pretty stealthy. Yeah, I got to say. Nothing. So you just, if it wasn't just, for the fact that I told the same joke, I would, you, know, you wouldn't have never known. No one would have been, the, no one would have been the wiser. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man. I like you, Grant. We can get along. I like you, FNH. Yeah. You're a pretty good dude. Brian, you're um, okay. I know. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. I like you too. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, man. You're a good woman. He was saying that to his wife. his wife. Everybody. Just to be clear yeah. to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I texted her asking me to bring me a charger because my phone's dying. And she did. There's nice. one time. Uh, and one I, time told I, she, I told her she's a good woman, and she responded with, I know. That's how she usually responds. And yeah. I mean, it's not a bad response. There's, there's one time I asked my daughter to bring me a charger and she brought me an entire basket that included everything yes. but the charger. <laughs> yes. That was in the early. Here you go, daddy. <laughs> it was, it was, was really it that whole horrible. collection of random wires? Yeah, pretty much. Just keep. I said, I said, it it's, it's under my nightstand. Cute, though. It was plugged in under my nightstand. I said, it's under my nightstand. So she grabbed me the entire basket that was under my nightstand that did not include the charger. <laughs> It was really, really adorable. I was, I was two years ago. She followed the instructions to. I mean, yeah, yeah. she nailed it. 
It's not like she disobeyed. She definitely obeyed on that one. She definitely obeyed. It was it was pretty adorable. Um, so, so what are we talking about tonight? So we have a review. Into the lantern waste. We are. That's what I was told. We are thirty minutes of raw audio into this. I imagine that by the time that you're listening, we're probably going to be like fifteen to twenty minutes of the actual show. Um, but yeah, we my wife are, just asked me. She said, "Are y'all halfway done?" And I was like, "No." No, we haven't even started <laughs> yet. Close. We're just so, getting started. Uh, I know. <laughs> so we have a full album review, which uh, these can vary between an hour to two and a half hours long. Um, it's a little bit of a of you know discrepancy there. Uh, but this album is one we have talked about on the last several episodes, or at least several of the last episodes. Uh, Into the Lantern Waste by Sarah Sparks. So this is one that I found randomly while doing a rabbit hole search of stuff on Spotify quickly uh, made its way into um, into my heart. I shared it with my friends and it quickly made its way into their hearts as well. Maybe some more than others. Uh, this has become my kids favorite album to listen to. Uh, when I guarantee when we do 2022 Spotify wrapped that this album will have a very high representation. So um, fantastic album. Love this album. Have a lot to say about this album. So let's try to keep it under an hour, guys. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad song in any of them. They're all good. Although I have my favorites. They, which, they yeah. flow together really well, too. I which say. obviously correlates with which books are the best, funnily enough. Yeah, I would I agree. I don't know how she did that, but she did do that. Um. So I'm going to kind of give my take of the album. Uh, you guys can, can give yours as well. I'm also going to read this. Uh, I'll, I'll guess I'll read this thing in a little bit. But um, my take on the album as a whole. Uh, this is, It's a concept album, which is hard to do anyway. Uh, concept albums can be kind of difficult. Uh, concept bands, I think, are probably even harder. But uh, concept albums you have to do them really, really well. Um, and they're very easy to mess up. So this album, uh, I, I think her goals for this album, uh, just from having listened through it, uh, I haven't done any research into this myself, but I, I believe that her goals were to take each of the seven of the Chronicles of Narnia. So each of the seven books and take the scenes that are most closely uh, tied to scripture each book has at least one or two scenes that are very, very closely tied to scripture. Um, <laughs> as, as you know, the series is allegorical. Um, and then she takes that scripture and applies it to her own life. So she's taking these stories from Chronicles of Narnia, taking like looking at them through the lens of scripture and then applying that scripture to her life in a relatable way that the listener can, can also, uh, can also appreciate. And she does a fantastic job. It is so easy to mess up uh, doing something like this, but not only that, but she makes very beautiful lyrics. She does. Um, she makes very successful songs. Each one by itself is really good, but as a, as a part of a unit, it's even better. Like this is in my opinion, the most successful album I've ever heard. So that is very high praise. We're not talking about monetary gains. We're not talking about monetary gains. We're talking about like, yeah. Right. 
No, monetary gains. This is a passion project. I'm sure she made like a hundred bucks, but um, hopefully more. But successful as in she had a goal. I was going to say. She, she had a goal. One of those songs has 1.7 million listens just on Spotify. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I was being facetious. But there's that. So, um, so what were your kind of original? It's not on the top 100. Right. It's not on any charts. It's it, I, I, that doesn't have any radio play. Um, I imagine it's on the super good songs chart, which is on my wall somewhere. Yeah, it's written on my heart. That's right, right there. So, did you guys have any kind of overarching takes that you wanted to uh, to give before we jump into the lyrics? Well, I think it, unless Grant, you have something uh, that you want to add to it, I think the best way to do it is just to go ahead and jump to the first song because I think the first song does an amazing job mm-hmm. of telling the listener what her goals are and what to expect from the rest of the album and how yeah. the whole album keeps tying back to the man, which is supposed to be Lewis, um, and what she what he is saying to the to Sarah. Yeah. Uh, so um, unless you have any objections, Grant, you want to have something to add about it. I think just jumping to the first song might be the best option. Yeah, no, she, she does a great job. Uh, though, I mean, like Brian was saying, it's a concept album. So the whole album kind of tells a story and the uh, first song, just like any good musical sets up the entire uh, story and of what, what's to come. It introduces you to, kind of the, some of the important themes and whatnot. And so, yeah, let's dive right in. All right. Um, when I was looking up the lyrics online, I found kind of this introduction to the first song. I wanted to read it. It says, uh, into the lantern waste serves as an introduction to this collection of songs. It collects beliefs held by CS Lewis in lyrics directly inspired by his writings. In this introduction, Sarah positions the Chronicles of Narnia author as a wise man on a park bench telling these fairy tales to Sarah and therefore to us, the listeners. Um, so I'm just going to read through, uh, I'm just going to read through the whole thing real quick. Just real quick. Yeah. Was, was CS Lewis holding a pipe with smoke actually seen risen at rising out of it in one hand? Yes. The other hand, probably a brandy. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't photoshopped out. Not yeah. that any <clears throat> TGC would ever do that, but all right. Jeez, there's cool. a story. There's a story there, and I'm going to move on. Um, <laughs> I'm about to say I'm, I have no idea what's going on, but all right, we'll move on. Yeah, I met a man at the park on a bench. He was looking at home with a paper and pen. No, he had a paper and a pen in his hand. With a paper and pen, he said, "Daughter, I have been through the shadow lands. For to hurt is to love, and to know that you can." that you are not alone. We all are broken. He said, you cannot diminish the glory of God by refusing to worship. Like if locked in a cell on the walls, you write darkness to put out the sun. So you might turn the page or you might shut the book, but the truth is still truth. Even if you don't look. Stop. I just love that. That's just, that's such a good verse. It really is. Yeah, it really is. You, and you that wanna... right there is a perfect summation of when you get to the rest of the album, it ties back to that 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 verse, I think. Almost every song hits that verse. 
in some form or fashion, yes. whether lightly or more heavily. It's just a perfect yeah. verse, and it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. And uh, and to kind of break the fourth wall even more, Sarah mentions stuff like this in other of her songs as well. Like she has a lot. Like this is, I think, something she really focuses on in, on a lot of her on her art. Um, the truth is still truth, even if you don't look. On the walls, you write darkness yeah. to put out the sun. That to me is such yeah, a great. I like imagery. that too. My word. Yeah, on the walls, you write darkness to put out the sun. You might turn the page. You might shut the book. But the truth is still truth, even if you don't look. Uh, he spoke to me then. Are you looking for truth, or is it wishful thinking and comfort you choose? On the edge of a sword and the knot of a noose. On the way to your death, should I reassure you? But the comfort will come if you search for the truth. See, here I'm stuck on these fairy tales with a lion, a wardrobe, and magic unveiled, for there's truth in these pages, and in each line I read, I'm the boy who that betrays him, I can clearly see, but the lion that saves him is bleeding for me. So good. It's such a great introduction. That's not even the yeah. best song, mind you, those who haven't oh, yeah. listened to it. That's not the best song of this of this album, but it is such a good introduction. Yeah. So good. And I love the uh, the imagery you get in that verse when she starts off with, he spoke to me, are you looking for truth? In our postmodern age, you know, we we see too often that people just are wanting to abandon absolute truth mm-hmm. for objective truth, which is not truth at all. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. And I love how she focuses in on that by then giving the, uh, by, you know, asking, are you looking for truth or are you going for wish, wishful thinking and comfort to choose um, on the edge of a sword and the knot of a noose on the way to your death? Should I reassure you? I mean, that's really good imagery right there because yeah, as she really continues is. on, the comfort will come if you search for the truth. So what's comfortable is not comfort. What's right. comfort is the uncomfortable truth. And that's just yeah. a... Mm, mm, that's good. And uh, the way that the music... Uh, the, this must be prosody, but the mm. way the music kind of reinforces this, it's sort of like a, uh, a ballad, I would say, yeah. uh, it's kind of structured like that. And so it really sets up for the question, 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 but the comfort will come if you search for the truth. Um, but the truth is still truth, even if you don't look, uh, so it, it sets up for that answer, uh, very well. Like every, uh, each line yeah. is leading into that. Uh, that that particular that statement at the end of each verse, and what's also good about it too is that C.S. Lewis wrote on this a bunch, you know, yeah. wrote on postmodern thought before it became super pervasive like it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Could you can read, read several strength. essays that, that that talk about it, but also that hideous strength. I can't help but think of that one scene where, oh, yeah. um, and he's in the room. Uh, I for- well, I wasn't actually thinking of that one, but that's also a good one. I'm thinking of when he goes to meet the, uh, the uh, what's his name? He's, he's not. He's like the manager of the company, or the yeah. The, um, you know, he he's the guy that basically deals with the hirings, and the whole time he can't get a straight answer out of him because oh, yeah. any kind of truth 
is uncomfortable to him. So he just continues to give these vague answers that makes at the end have makes him think the main character, one of the main characters think I, I have no idea if I'm working here or not. It doesn't make any sense, but that's because yeah. he won't tell him. He just wants him to go on and start working without having any commitments whatsoever. Cause he's so uncomfortable with truth. And then in a, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you find out more about him later on that make him even more disturbing. Yeah. So, but that's yeah, just a the taste hideous, of it. The hideous strength. I am the pin dragon. Oh yeah. Fantastic book. Ransom. It was, middle name. it was my least favorite. It was my least favorite of that whole trilogy as a kid. But now that as I'm an adult, it may be my favorite book. Yeah. I mean, as far as a part of the trilogy, it didn't make any sense to be part of the trilogy, but as a standalone book, uh, I think that it's probably a better book than the other two, but it's it's not as fun to like. It's not as an action adventure as the other two. The other, it's like the Hobbit, the Hobbit, and then something else. Like I don't know, that's a bad analogy, but it is. But I know what you're trying to go for, and I can't think of it either. Yeah, it, it, it's just it just it does seem out of out of place. It's not. Like you said, adventure, which is the other two books that delve into theology, it's so much closer to home, which I think makes it more frightening. Yeah, well, it's like if in book one you go to Mars, and in book two you go to Venus, and in book three you resurrect Merlin. Yeah, true. Yeah, and Ransom's the main character in the first two, and then the third book he's hardly in it, and when yeah. he is, he's a sage that you don't even recognize. Right, his name yeah. is different, and. And you get it, like you get the analogy, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a different book. All right, and so speaking of books written by C.S. Lewis, um, he wrote seven books that were in one series, and he wrote them in a very specific order. However, a chronicle, is, as it were, there is a debate as to if you should read them in the order that he wrote them, or if you should re- if you should read them in the order that they appear chronologically, and. Uh, in this album, he uh, Sarah writes these songs in the order uh, that that Lewis wrote the books. So we start with the line, the witch in the wardrobe. So we have two songs uh, for the book, the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Most of the songs only get one, but two of the songs do end up getting two. Uh, two of the books do get two songs. So track two. So this is the first of the tracks that I actually jump into the, the books. And this is called Lucy's Tale. Um, so I'm I'm just going to read through the lyrics. I think for each of these songs, I'm just going to read through the lyrics. If you want to stop me like you did before, just go ahead and stop me. And we'll just kind of go through it and then we'll kind of give our takes at the end. Um, okay. Yeah, I've been feeling so restless, got no place to call my own uh, when I know I don't belong. There's no place to lay my head down because I'm just a wandering soul. And in the end, I feel alone. Oh, tell me a story of redemption. You're the only peace that I've ever known. I've been so cold this long winter, but there's something written etched into this stone. I've been living in a shadow, weeping over blood, but yet to, but yet to see the empty grave because I'm still hoping in the not yet. Clouds are covering the sun but I'll believe while in the shade. Oh, tell me a story of redemption. You're the only peace that I could, that I have ever known. I've been so cold this long winter, but there's something written etched into this stone. 
I hear a roaring in the distance, and the earth a trembling like the crumbling of a stone. I looked down to see my footprints, when never in my memory had I seen the melting snow. And that's where it ends. It kind of ends. You feel like there should be more, and it just ends. Uh, and there's a reason why, if you listen to the album in order. But for right now, that's where it ends. This one to me, I don't know how y'all feel about it, but um, this one to me seems a lot more encompassing than the other songs. Mm-hmm. Most of the other songs, like he said, mostly go into a single scene, maybe a yeah. couple. But this one seems to be a lot more vague and, yeah. and, and more emotional than in terms of what's actually happening or referencing. There are yeah. references, uh, but that's a lot more symbology than an actual um, uh, events that happen in the story, which I, I thought agree. was kind of odd. I would agree. I would also say that this one has probably more closer ties to scripture and is more applicable to the individual um, than some of the other songs. I agree with that. Yeah. This one seems to be more that application you were referring to at the Mm -hmm. beginning of this. Yeah, absolutely. Though I, I do want to say that as a good reformed person, I would not buy into the ransom theory of atonement, but rather the, uh, um, the other one, (laughs) do you know what I'm talking about? How like, you know, Aslan is more the, uh, ransom theory versus yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the, uh, it it took me a second to get what you're talking about, (laughs) but um, so in the Chronicles of Narnia, it's, um, uh, Edmund was condemned to death because of a law that he broke and, uh, and his blood was basically owned by Jadis and Aslan, um, saved him from Jadis. And so he let himself die so that the white witch, the white witch killed Aslan. Um, and in the story it works, but in reality, it's not like the devil owns us and the devil gets to kill us and that Jesus saves us from the devil. Jesus saves us from Jesus. You know, we, we sinned against Jesus and God and the, the Godhead. And we are, we, we deserve God's wrath and Jesus gives us mercy. And he took the wrath of God, the father, not the wrath of Satan. And so there, that is a very, very, very big difference between, um, between what we believe, um, the death of Jesus was and, uh, the difference between the death of, of Aslan. So I I think that's what you're referring to. That's exactly. Yeah. Penal substitutionary atonement PSA. So it's a PSA about PSA. Um, that's all. Although I I think that's going to become more uh, apparent when we get to the second song. uh, yeah. <laughs> or the third. Yeah. Good, good call. Yep. Um, I like how in the beginning, cause you know, I've been feeling so restless, got no place to call my own in the story. You know, she's been shipped out of London, not to the countryside is during world war two. And there's the blitzkriegs. And so they, 
historically they sent all the children out to the country so that they wouldn't be at risk of dying in bomb explosions. And, uh, and so she's in a place that she doesn't really know. She has to hide from tours that are going on. And so she goes into the wardrobe, um, and in the wardrobe, she feels more at home than she does in the big, uh, country manor. Uh, so I kind of like that. Um, I like, I love the imagery, you know, the weeping over blood, but yet to see the empty grave. Um, uh, cause I'm still hoping in the not yet. Uh, so these, uh, these ideas of, you know, of, of theology that aren't necessarily in the book, but, uh, being able to apply that to our lives, you know, we, we have, we are post the, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, but we are pre second coming. And, uh, that's kind of where we live. And as, uh, as for us, we aren't home yet. So we've got no place to call our own cause we don't belong. And so I, I, I like that, that application. Yeah. And you definitely see that towards the end when, um, the imagery of, I heard a roaring in the distance to earth yeah. trembling, like the crumbling of stone. It almost gives that revelatory uh vibe um yeah. revelation vibe the you know the the trumpet sounding and it'd be replaced yeah. with the imagery of the roar of aslan right and there's also the idea of the when the the stone table broke and aslan roared and he came back to life and so there's there's that there's the you know that that future glory uh, idea of you know this this reality and then uh, also the the narrative so I, I like how she ties all that together. It is vague, but it's vague enough to be able to tie in a whole lot of stuff in, in a very short song. Mm-hmm. Then that genius. It is. It, I, I would say so. Uh, and then very the last good. line, the last line, had I seen the melting snow, we see that line again as the first line in the very next song. Um, and she did that on purpose. Yeah. Uh, Although so, it's told through the through, through different eyes. Mm-hmm. And so in the first song, we have Lucy. The second song, we have Edmund. Uh, the song is called Blood for Blood. Musically, it or like instrumentally, it's the most different of all of the other yes. songs. Um, and I love it. It is really, really good. It's, I think it, too. Uh, when you listen to it in the car, like on nicer speakers, I feel like this song was more produced than the other ones as well. Like there's like a different volume, uh, but I don't, I don't know a whole lot about all of that. It just feels different. I love the bells uh, being in rhythm with the drums to help yeah. with the imagery later on the lyrics. It's yeah, a really nice touch. You can't help like but see the, the drum hitting being the crack of the whip while the yeah. bells are chiming. From the reindeer that are driving the sleigh, the, the yeah. um, of uh, the evil queen. In the way they do it, it almost sounds like chains. Like I know that like uh, like David Crowder will actually use chains, uh, like rattling, and it sounds almost like they're doing that. I don't think they are. I think I think you're right that they're bells, but they do it in such a way where it almost sounds like like chains. Uh, so blood for blood. Yeah, I think it may be some kind of like a muted sleigh bell almost. Yeah. Maybe with like a reverb. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, had I seen the melting snow, I saw and trembled. 
For this, a power I did not know, though I was bound with chains. She was cruel and beautiful, and I was greedy. And like a slave, I then was sold by the way she said my name. Father, save me, I the traitor, I who knew and ran from love. I can hear the condemnation in the rhythm of the drums. Though I knew all hope was lost, and this what I deserved, I had been conquered by the frost, but on my skin it burned. Because she had power over me, and at her touch I turned to stone. But in her eyes I saw a fear, a deeper magic than her own. Father, save me, I the traitor, I who knew and ran from love. I can hear the condemnation in the rhythm of the drums. And when I looked him in the eyes, I felt the weight of all my sin. For I knew what the law required, a death for death, a traitor's end. But when I thought I feel his wrath, despaired and filled with shame, he bent down to search my eyes with such love, whispered my name. Father, save me, I the traitor, I who knew and ran from love. Father, can you hear the lion? It is written blood for blood. Mm. I always get goosebumps on that. Um, uh, on the, the, those lines, he bent down to search my eyes with such love, whispered my name. Yeah. Yeah, and so we've we've already talked about the difference between the story and reality uh with the substitutionary atonement um in like all analogies like all metaphors they break down and and c.s lewis was a better uh he, he was a better apologist than he was a theologian uh just go and read mm-hmm. the end of the last battle and you'll cringe at some lines but um yeah so this this song, this song is really good. Uh, every song, every song on here is really good. Some are really, really good, but all of them are really good. Um, yeah, that, that line, that, that third verse, you know, we have this despair, we have this despair. Uh, one of my favorite lines uh, was, uh, at her touch, I turned to stone. Uh, I thought that was really clever because he doesn't, Edmund ever is turned to stone. She does turn a lot of people to stone, but we have that still like this imagery of um, he was afraid and he did nothing. And that's kind of like being turned to stone. And, and so I like, and of that. course it references the deep magic and the deeper in, magic and the deeper magic. Yeah. yeah. Which if anybody's from, if you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, you should read it. But if you have, you will know that reference. Yeah. Uh, she, she knows the deep mad, the old magic, the deep magic. And then Aslan tells Lucy and Susan after he comes back from being stabbed a bunch by um, uh, the evil queen and all her cronies uh, that he knew a deeper magic. Yeah, and, and, and I like it. It's even, she. it was the deep magic from the dawn of time and his was the deeper magic from before the dawn of time, which right. is like, <laughs> it's kind of a cop out, but it's, but it's believable. It's a believable cop out because he's God. Well, and it's believable for a God. Right. It's God, believable for Which it. is what Aslan is supposed to represent. Yeah. And so it's in some ways it's a cop out, but it, but it totally isn't a cop out at the same time because he's God and, and he, and he was around before the dawn of time and she wasn't. Um, right. But I remember thinking that even as like a seventh grader, it's like really deeper magic from before the dawn of time. But, <laughs> 
Um, but who is I? Who is I to, to judge the great C.S. Lewis? Um, so that is blood for blood. And I like I always like it when they when they change the the line in the chorus at the end. Mm-hmm. I do too. Um. So I. One of the last lines is "Hear the lion." So, Father, can you hear the lion? Uh, the first line of the next song is "Hear the trees, hear them whispering." Uh, I think that is the the connection between the two songs is the that idea of, of listening and hearing every song. Uh, I think there might be one or two that don't, but just about every song, the last verse from the, from the previous song to the first verse of the next song has a connection. The most obvious one is that whole line had, I seen the melting snow, but every song connects in that way. And so, uh, hear the lion and it is written blood for blood. And then a new, the new song of Trumpkin. So this is, um, Prince Caspian and the book Prince Caspian Trumpkin was the uh, dwarf um, hear the trees hear them whispering they tell stories of a king in the forest wakes with a divine ache for his returning I've forgotten who I am and who you are because the truth is all my worth can only be found in your scars so I'm learning how to die because it's what you're asking for yeah. I I've been blind to you every time, only shaken in your teeth. Do I know enough strangest kind of love, but it's, the, but it's pain that wakens me. See the leaves, simple dying things never were so beautiful because in their dying days, what a glorious change for in death, they turn to gold. I will forget who I am for who you are. Because the truth is all my worth can only be found in your scars. And I'm learning how to die because I know who you are. And by his wounds, I'm healed. I, for the first time, feel like this may not be the end. This, I, the, I think the verses are really beautiful, but this chorus is probably my favorite chorus in the album. Mm-hmm. What's that? Um, I just, I really love the line because uh, the truth is all my worth can only be found in your scars. And we, we talked about worth a little bit earlier with the uh, reckless love, but this is the truth. And uh, this, this really is, it's my, all my worth can only be found in, in Jesus scars. And so that application um, from this book to, oh, yeah. to our reality I just connect with that so much. And, and, and I love finding my worth in Christ and not in anything else. And, uh, it just leaves me humble and it leaves me, it leads me to worship. And so I, I just, I've always loved this chorus. And I'm learning how to die because it's what you're asking for. And then the second time it's, um, because I know who you are, mm-hmm. um, which I like that change. Um, mm. but I, but it's both so true and you can't help, but immediately think about take up your cross. Oh yeah. And, um, I mean that, that, that passage immediately comes to my mind of that. Cause we are, you know, we are, you know, to die. You also think about, you know, to, to live is die, to, to die and to, 
die for Christ is to gain. Yeah, yeah to live as Christ. And I mean, that's Christ. immediately what's coming out of there. Yeah. So, great line. Um, so, verse 3 is probably my favorite verse in the song, the one about the leaves. This is a really, really beautiful image about how uh, when the leaves die, that's when they become beautiful. And uh, just seeing that that idea of when I empty myself like Christ emptied himself, when I if I'm able to empty myself in service of, of Christ, um, that's when that's when I, I can actually make a beautiful difference in the world. Not in my own doing, but in but in Christ's doing. That's beautiful imagery. I never noticed it before. And then, of course, uh, the last verse is as uh, Isaiah, you know, by his wounds I'm healed. And for the first time, I feel like this may not be the end. And then I, for the first time, feel mm-hmm. goes to the next song. For the, the first, first time in my, in life. my life. Yeah. For the first time in forever, maybe. No, not wrong. Wrong one. I feel like wrong that's one. incorrect. That's <laughs> probably wrong. Um, so the next song is called Eustace Scrub, which is one of the best written characters in the entire series. My favorite character in the whole series is, name. is Edmund. Indeed. I was thinking the same thing. And Eustace is a very close second. And Eustace Scrub is just the most perfect name for that character. And the first line of that book was Eustace, uh, like I, I had it written and then I left it out, but it was something like um, there was a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrub and he almost deserved it. <laughs> I, th- I think I think that's the line. Uh, he almost deserved it. Um, so this song is from a specific scene. Um, let's, I'm going to read the lyrics and then we can talk about that scene because it is the most beautiful scene in Voyage yeah, of the Dawn that, Treader. That was, I'm sorry, I looked it up. Yeah, that's correct. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub and he almost deserved it. It's one that of, was the line. Yeah. And so uh, this is probably one of the most beautiful scenes in the entirety of the Chronicles of Narnia, by far the best scene in this particular book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, it's almost like this scene ranks head and shoulders above every other scene in the book, and you just should read the book for this one scene. Um, but you should read the whole book. It's, it's a good book. Well, but and to me, too, I think uh, maybe Grant might uh, disagree, but I feel like he might agree. Um, whereas a lot of them was the ransom pr- uh, principle, you see a lot more reformed thoughts come through with Eustace in his uh, redemption arc because it's not uh, him being enslaved by someone else. It's him suffering for his own foolishness. Yeah. And And being unable to do anything. Yeah. Can't do anything. It's a miserable scene for him. It is. Um, Until Asher shows up. Oh, man. And, And I'll say this. The movie this scene was a let down because they took, they cut out all of the dialogue, every piece of mm-hmm. like reformed theology dialogue. They just removed it and just showed like pantomimes. It was a let down, huge let down. Anyway, that's, I'm, I'll get off that one. Yeah. The book, they didn't even understand probably. What they were yeah. It didn't make any no. sense in the movie unless you knew what was going on. 
Um, yeah, the BBC uh, production of it was much better. That scene, yeah, and that's not a that's not a compliment. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the. I've, I think the only... BBC that did the productions. Yeah, goes I've all the only... way up to the silver chair. I've only seen the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with BBC, and it was it was painful as a child watching it. It was painful, um, especially the wolf. Like it was, it had a, like a German shepherd and it would run behind a tree, and then all of a sudden it was a guy in a costume running. It was yes. just so bad. It was so oh, it's, bad. It's, and it's Aslan was animatronic. It's, it's a lot more faithful, I think, to the books than the it is. modern movies were. It is because it's BBC. There, if, if BBC is anything, it's faithful to the to the source material. Um, yeah. I feel like so, the first movie uh, for the modern movie series uh, was the best one. And then after was. that, they just went <laughs> bad after that, especially Voyage. They butchered Voyage. Yeah, I could talk about Voyage. I could talk about the pros and cons of what they did. Um, but instead, I'm going to read the lyrics to the song called Used to Scrub. For the first in my life, I'm not living a lie and I hate who I am. I've become what I feared and I cried dragon tears just to prove I'm a man. I tried to change my appearance, but I am not changed. I'm just tired. I tried to heal myself long before I met your gaze at the water. I'm at your feet. Would you tear into the deep of my heart to heal me? I've seen my own reflection. I know the pain I'm in. I've been a lonely wretch and I can't get out of it. As he looked through my eyes at the things I despise, I felt pierced by his gaze. But he peeled off my skin and he threw me into the water to save me. I wore this bracelet bright and golden that overnight became a chain. I was a lonely, wretched soul that, lost in the dark, cried out your name. You cut me deep. I know I felt it, but it's the sweetest kind of pain. Oh, sweet relief, you took my burdens. Oh, I believe. Oh, I believe. That last verse, right when the the music changes, it's mm-hmm. perfect to yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So musically, we have a verse, and then we have the chorus, and then we have this kind of um, almost—it's not a bridge, but it's like a post-chorus. Um, and then it goes into verse two, back to the chorus, and then it goes to this instrumental, and then we have this kind of a bridge, but it's a bridge to nothing. So it's kind of like this, I guess, tag, uh, but that are part two of the song. And it's really that, yeah, that I wear this bracelet bright and golden, the beat changes, the, the emphasis of the, of the beat changes. Um, the harmony jumps in at you cut me deep. Yes. It's yeah. striking almost. I think that's probably very, what they were intending. Uh, and I learned this one on the guitar and I play this one for my kids all the time. And this is my kid's favorite song. Um, they know every word to this song and they'll sing it acapella in the car. It's adorable. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you've never read Voyage of the Dawn Treader and you don't know anything about used to scrub, he turns into a dragon. If you do any sort of Google search, you'll, you'll see the images, but yeah, he, he takes this bracelet that he finds and he's like, Ooh, this is cool. And he puts it on and he turns into a dragon and he can't get, he can't change himself back. He tries, but he can't. Um, but before he was a dragon, he was a punk and he almost deserved it. He was um, a scrub. He was a scrub. Um, there's a line in the movie that I do really, really love because he, 
the opening scene in the movie is he's under his aunt's bed or his bed or he's under a bed and he's eating candy. And there's a scene later where Edmund says, I know you stole our aunts because they're cousins. Um, Spoiler. Uh, I know you stole our aunt's candy and that you keep it under your bed. And I just want to let you know that I licked every one. I just love that line. That's a fantastic line. Sorry. has nothing to do with the song. But um, yeah, Eustace was just, he was, he was, he was just a punk. Um, we have this, dr- this dramatized. unlikable. <laughs> yeah, just most hated. Like he picks up Reapy Cheat by the tail and swings him around and then Reapy Cheat gets really mad. He goes, what? I was just having fun. It was just a little joke. It's like. If you've ever been at a family gathering and you've got that one cousin who has a family that you haven't seen in a very long time and they don't take care of their kid and their kid gets into everything and is just completely unruly and you look at the parents and they don't do anything. That's what Eustace Scrub is. He's that yes. child that no one likes. Yes. That everyone hates to see come back at the family gatherings. And then it's like... And if you all... haven't met that child, it's probably you. Yeah. Yes. That's true. <laughs> they're all like drowning in the ocean and they're like, just, just let them die. Um, <laughs> which is why it makes the scene so much better when Aslan... Yes. Uh, saves him from mm-hmm. his own stupidity of the, he, he finds the bracelet off the dead guy in a drag in a dragon's den. And he's like, Oh, you know what? I'll put this on. Oh, I'm tired now. I'm going to go to sleep here. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> and then yeah. he wakes up and all of a sudden realizes the danger, but it's already too late because he keeps expecting to see the dragon. And then he's like, Oh, it is the dragon. I am the dragon. Um, I am used it to is the rabbit. <laughs> so uh Monty Python reference. Yes. So Aslan says, take off your skin. And so he peels off his skin, he's still a dragon. Says, take off your skin, and he takes off his skin, he's still a dragon. And then Aslan scratches off the skin. And it's a very painful process. Um, if you've ever been in the cage stage, you understand how painful the process can be. But then he is once again. Eustace Clarence Scrub. And he is a new man. And he throws him in the water too to he wash does. it off. And he comes out a new man. And uh, I even I like it in the silver chair. Like I, I don't love the book with silver chair. I'm just gonna go ahead and warn you there. But one of my favorite parts of I don't about know it a lot of people that do. It's at the very beginning, the very beginning when he's defending Jill, and Jill's like you weren't like this last year. He's like, I had, I went through a big change over the summer. Um, he just, he is the most, uh, maybe not the most Edmund as well. Edmund and Eustace, they have that repentance and they have that new creation about them. Eustace is, is, is much more obvious. Um, because he was just a punk. I mean, he was just a turd, excuse my French, but, uh, yeah, and then he, he becomes one of one of the most respectable he characters one of the, in the series. One of the best characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Almost, um, not really rivaling Reepicheep, but pretty close. He 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 gets up there. He gets up no there. One's, no one's better. No than one. Reepicheep. Nobody can be Reepicheep, but Reepicheep wasn't a human, so he was the one of the best human. There you go. Hey, that's that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, best human character. That's human. So, uh, so Grant, what is, animals. What, what do you have to say about this song? You've been a little quiet. 
Well, you you know, it's been such a long time since um, I have read these books. We are stuck on the hor- partway through. We're, we're almost done with the horse and his boy. Uh, well, then you should be like at kids. the end, right? You should be like two books away from the end if you're reading the horse and his well, boy. If you were I reading it correctly. I am just reading through the... Uh, oh, that version, the the big this version. version that doesn't yeah. have it in the correct order. Got it, got it. Oh, yeah. you're talking about the correct order, the Copyright chronological order, since it's called the Chronicles two. of Narnia. Therefore, yeah. it should be chronological. chronological. The Chronological of Narnia. The Chronological of yes. Narnia. It's, it's almost like it was intended to be that way. Mm. So it's, it's almost, like book three. If it was intended to be that way, he would have written it that way. Says so who? Says who? Says C.S. Yeah. Lewis. Who, who who doesn't say that they, they can write things out of different orders? Oh, and I'm sure you watched Star Wars episode one, two, and three first, right? I was about to say, see, there you go. <laughs> it actually makes a lot more sense if you do it that way. No, you got to watch four, then five, then two, then three, then six. Skip one altogether. Yeah, wh- whatever you got to do to skip one altogether is, I think, a, a bonus. I still haven't seen... Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, the very last one. <laughs> just, I gave up on it. Um, my wife, that's, made, that's different. My, my wife made me watch that one. She was like, "You just need to see it." And I'll just say this: they tried, they tried, they tried. So, they tried. so here's here's my order, and, and then we'll get back to this album. So machete watch order. Episode, Wait a minute. No, so it or is. It's, it's based on that. No, it's the machete order. Uh, it's based oh, on okay. that. But first, um, you need to watch uh, Rogue One. So start like with Rogue, Rogue One. One, and then I four, Rogue One. and then five, That's like and then the two, good Disney and one. then three, then six, then seven, and then end there. Mm-hmm. End with seven. Okay. I thought seven. Someday uh, maybe I'll go back and do that. I really liked Han Solo, or I guess it was called Solo. Solo I like that one you, too. It's like so a separate. I know I'm, I I'm one of the only ones. Solo was a fun movie, but it was not a good movie. Yeah. Kind of like Guardians 2. <sighs> it was a fun movie. But it was not a good movie. It was anyway. It, it yeah, it definitely a fun movie. But that's uh, fits fits the character. Anyway, we're we're not talking about Star Wars. No, we're talking about <laughs> Scum Frap, Narnia. Anyway, Narnia. yeah, that, uh, I and um, I you know grew up. My dad read us the books probably a couple of times. Although we always would skip Line the Witch in the Wardrobe because that was because too scary oh, for us. Too actually. scary. The lion, the witch, it, the it was scary. But last battle was not. Well, I mean, I mean, Tash running around killing people—that that, that, that is too scary. Well, it's 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 kids literally ripping people's heads off. It, well, we were older by then. So oh, okay. It's this kid logic that, uh, for whatever reason, every time we'd go through Chronicles of Narnia, we'd always have to skip that one. So that's interesting. But and, uh, and the first one when you go through the dead city of Char, that wasn't scary for you. That's I weird. guess not. Yeah. See, Char. that would be more terrifying when, to me. I feel the, like the dead world of Char. In the, I think it's yeah. Anyway, it, anyway, I feel like it's definitely more fascinating. It was yeah. In the in the anyway yeah the and fits and starts trying to read this to my own children which is probably reflective of my moral failings as a father um, to properly educate them in uh, the ways of C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm sure you're just trying not to get to the last battle. That's that's the end goal right there. Yeah. 
<laughs> kind of got My son yeah. is 14, no. my oldest, so I I need to pick this pace up because I also have to get the flying bicycle series in there too. And, so uh, my my kids have a dramatized focus on the family uh, radio version of the full Chronicles of Narnia. My parents owned it, never listened to it. They just bought it because I don't know. I think they found it and they're like, Hey, we should have this. So they bought it and we'd never listen to it as an adult. I stole it from them and my children have listened to each book at least 10 times. Wow. It, like they, um, they have it for free on YouTube. Nice. Do they, they are, yeah. but they are well on their way to becoming uh, Narnia scholars uh, because they just, they probably have the whole thing memorized. Like they've probably, it's, it's amazing. But anyway, uh, after the, uh, the voyage of the Dawn Treader, we have the silver chair, as we kind of mentioned earlier in that there is a character named puddle glum, who is a very interesting Eeyore type character. Um, and this song is called puddle glum's anthem, but I'm not convinced that it's from puddle glum's perspective. I think it's from Jill's. And I don't know why it's called Puddle Glum's Anthem. Uh, that's my one, only question that I have about this album is why is this song called Puddle Glum's Anthem? Um, the last line from Use to Scrub is, Oh, I believe, oh, I believe. And the first line of this song is, In the warmth of the sun, I believed. Uh, going on, circumstance often changes the way that I see. For the first, uh, for, for the first time, a shadow found me. I doubted the sun for the lack of the heat and I ran, but he ran after me. He said, remember the signs. So I said them each morning and held to them tight. But at the first chill of the night, I gave up his words for the warmth of a fire and I traded his love for a lie. I said, I'll never forget. I will call out your name through the storm until death. But the crow came three times as he said, and I held tight my tongue just to save my own head. And I watched from the ground as he bled. But oh, you complete your plans with a broken hands. Uh, you have shown, uh, I have seen your work raising life up from the dirt. This I know. See that thread of sin seamlessly woven in. This I know. See the lion, see the lamb. You complete your plans. This I know. That last part of the song is one of my favorite parts of, of this album. Um, I really, really liked that, the ending of this song. Yeah, I think you're right. It's not told from Polyglum's perspective. I think some of the he's is referring to Polyglum, but I think some of the he's is referring to Aslan, and that's and that's confusing. Yeah, I, I would have to agree there. Uh, in the story, uh, the beginning of it, um, we have a new character, Jill. So Eustace comes back. There's is actually the first of the books where that doesn't have any of the, the four siblings. So uh, Edmund and Lucy are in the first three books. Uh, Peter and Susan are only in the first two. Um, and then in this book, we have Eustace and Jill. So Jill's a new character. Well, they're in the first, uh, uh, Edmund and um, Lucy are in the first three and Horseness Boy. They are in Horseman's Boy. Horseman's Boy is an interesting, like they're like not main characters. They're they're in it. They make an appearance. They make a cameo, but it's not as yes. kids. It's as adults. Because it takes place right because in the middle. Well, not right in the, the middle, last between, chapter. Yeah, right in the middle between the last two chapters of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. 
Um, but we'll get there. So, um, so yeah, so we have Eustace and we have Jill, uh, they end up kind of in a land next to Narnia. This is one of the most confusing ways to get into Narnia. Uh, Jill is like walking right up to the edge of this really, really tall cliff. And she's like, this is cool. I'm not scared. I'm not stupid. Oh wait, I'm really scared. And I'm, and I'm going to fall and I, and, and please Eustace help me. And so Eustace goes up to her and then she somehow trips him and he falls off the cliff. And it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then Aslan comes and he blows. And Eustace starts sailing across the sky. And then we have, this is the beginning of this book, which is really, really weird. And the, we'll talk a little bit more about it in the next song. Cause I it can't see why you don't like silver chair. <laughs> and, uh, I don't really like Jill, I think is it. But um, so Jill has a conversation with Aslan. We'll talk about it in a little bit. And then Aslan gives Jill these signs. You must do this. You must do this. You must do this. And then he sends her uh, the same way. He blows her across into Narnia and they get there. And then she they immediately, like she fails time and time and time again. Like Aslan says, you must do these things in this order or, or your job is going to be really hard. And she's like, Oh yeah. I don't remember what to do. I immediately forgot it. Even though you made me say it to you a billion times, I forgot it immediately. And then she spends the whole, they spend the whole book having a very difficult time getting through their job because she forgot the signs over and over and over again, but they eventually make it out from under the crust of the earth back into Narnia and it's okay. That's the, that's my, that's the story. Is, of that it, with it, leaving it, out it, all of the plot. Is the Green Lady um, uh, Queen Jadis? Is the Green Lady Jadis? Uh, Is the Green Lady Jadis? Jada. That. (laughs) She she may be Jada, but I don't know if she's Jadis. Um, How many Will Smith jokes are we going to make in this episode? That's kind of why I brought it back to that. I was like, oh, there we go. We got a tie-in right there. There we go. So I don't know. Maybe I, I need to uh, I need to do more research into it, but I have heard that theory uh, because when it she goes seems away, it's... yeah, Aslan says something like you can never kill ancient magic or something. I don't remember. Yeah, it, it, if I were to guess, which I haven't done a whole lot of research on it, but like I have read that it's kind of a debunked theory, just because there are a lot of reasons why it can't be her yeah but but who is she more than likely um what i would guess is she's either a part of jade of uh jada 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 <laughs> also a part of the smiths um and uh or she, she is, does she does control uh, a man to to do her bidding so Right, or she's a servant. She was a servant of of Jadis, which you know, there's plenty of ins- and there's plenty of uh, reason to think that, since in the second book, she is essentially, um, you know, she's surrounded by ghosts, ghouls, goblins, all kinds yeah. of manner of wicked things, bent things, and I mean, a bent dryad is not so on. Un- fathomable to believe so yeah. it's more than I, I i i tend to think that she's either like a piece 
of Jadis. Like, like a Horcrux. Boom. <laughs> Said it at the same time. Yeah. Um, or uh, she is she was a servant of Jadis. Maybe so. Anyway, so they they go to the north to this land of snow. They almost get eaten by giants. Um, and so this idea of, you know, uh, I doubted the sun for the lack of the heat and I ran, but he ran after me. Uh, Aslan does meet them again when she's in captivity and uh, being held by the giants. Uh, so there's some of that going on. Uh, I said, I'll never forget. I will call it your name through the storm till death. But the crow, but the crow came three times as he said, and I, and I held tight my tongue just to save my own head. And I watched from the ground as he bled. Um, so I'm not 100% sure what a lot of these lines are referring to in the story. Um, I don't remember a crow in the story. I definitely know that it's referring to Peter uh, and, the, and Jesus, but I don't remember if it's only referring to that or if there's actually a part of the, the silver chair narrative that this is referring to. But as I said, yeah, I don't remember the story very well. I, I actually thought that was more like, uh, what was it? Lucy's tale. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, think, it, I don't think it's an actual a... bird. I think it's mo- more referring to like the crowing of the rooster. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. 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 I, I do too but, as well, but, but I don't remember if there is, I don't remember if this is a narrative from the Narnia or if this is strictly from Peter and Jesus. I'm Googling if there's a crow in silver chair. <laughs> so far, results are not promising. <laughs> I've totally been on the Chronicles of Narnia wiki this whole time. <laughs> Although I did, I, there apparently is uh, a article about why the silver chair didn't happen. The uh, movie yeah. adaptation. Oh, yeah. I heard that they were supposed to like happen again. Like that they were going to, like another studio bought it and was going to do it, but then it never happened. The second time. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's because no one likes the silver chair. It's it's weird. It's it's just strange. And why isn't he Caspian the 11th? Who knows? It's all sorts of questions. Uh, all that said, this song is really good, even if the silver chair, the book was not. Uh, yeah, we talked more about the book than the actual song. <laughs> we did. We did. We, we got into the to the book but oh you complete your plans with our broken hands you have shown i have seen your work raising life up from the dirt this i know see that thread of sin seamlessly woven in this i know see the lion see the lamb you complete your plans this i know i really like that repeating of this i know like reminding me of the truth going back to that going back to the truth well she also repeats you complete your plan your your plans 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 You complete your plans. She repeats that line as well, which is great because the whole time she's singing about how she kept screwing up. Right. They still rescue the prince. They still rescue the prince. They still free all of the other underling slaves. They still... uh, Man, I want to see a book about the under-underworld. That would have have been really interesting. But I think that was on purpose. Like, hey, there's this other aspect of Narnia under the ground that you know exists, but we're not going to tell you anything about it. Um, that was probably the most interesting part of the silver chair. Yeah. And, I feel like uh, we're going to see something similar to that in the next, and in, in the, the, not the next song, but the song after the next. Yes. I'll explain more when we get there. 
That's fine. Uh, but yeah, I really like the ending, the ending of this song. Um, but this one doesn't connect as good um, as the yeah. previous ones has. I'm guessing what connects is the um, see the lion, see the lamb. That's what I was wondering, and then I saw you on the on mountain. Yeah, I, I guess I the connection is it's still addressing. Seeing, yeah, see the lion, then I saw you on the mountain, a lion after me. So I, it's it's a uh, not as seamless. Uh, it's not as seamless as the the woven thread of sin. Anyway, uh, song for Jill. So we're still in the silver chair. This is back to the very beginning of the book uh, when Jill uh, is by herself. She's pretty sure that Eustace is dead. Um, And this is just one scene from the book. And this is one of the more interesting scenes in the book. Uh, And this song is really, it does a really good job taking that scene, putting it to music and still making it a very interesting song. So I saw you on the mountain. I met you by the stream and I terrified at your sight, a lion after me. You asked if I was thirsty. I said, if I don't drink, I will surely die. Here be dry, lying by the stream. He said, dear child, come farther. For this, the only stream that will bring you life. My supply is all that you will ever need. He didn't promise. He didn't didn't promise not to harm me. He said, I'll do no such thing. For I am the law, and in my jaw I've swallowed men and mountains and kings. It is so. There is only one blood could have done what I have done, and I know, as so many do you may uh, do you may run, but I am your only hope. There is only one blood could have done what I have done. It is so. I am justice and wrath. I am love, but I am your only hope. I am in the light. I am in the shade. I am in the wind. I am in the waves. Pretty straightforward there. Um, I mean, this is pretty much like there's some like almost direct quotes from the book in this song. This is probably the most on the nose, taking a scene straight out of the book and setting it to music, Um, especially in the first part of the song. She's like, I'm going to die of thirst. He's like, well, come here and drink. She's like, but you're a lion and you will kill me. He's like, but this is the only stream. And if you don't drink, you're going to die. So would you rather die of thirst or would you rather die of being eaten by a lion? Will you not, will you hurt me? Will you promise not to harm me? I'm not going to promise that I'm not going to harm you. Um, so it's, it's kind of like that going back to that. Is he tame? Which is very biblical by the way. Yes. I feel it like is very too many biblical. people forget that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like that, but going back to like language and wardrobe, was well, he a tame lion? Tame? No, but he is good. And it's that same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I've in my, Jaws swallowed men and mountains and kings. He's not safe. He's not safe. Yeah, that's right. what they, that's what they say. Is he safe? No, he's not safe. But he is good. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, yeah this this song is is really good in that, and the music is really really pretty in this song as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just love that line. And in my jaw, I've swallowed men and mountains and kings. Yeah, I love that line as well. And then, just like in some of her other songs, she has kind of a part A and a part B, and the part B is more interesting. Is that from straight from the book too? Like the um, it's, swallowed it's men and mountains and kings. 
it's paraphrased, but it's really close. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really, really close. It is. Um, she, she changed it a little bit so it would rhyme and have good meter, but it's, yeah. This song is basically taking the passage, setting it to rhyme and meter and cutting some of the little, the little parts, but yeah, it's really, really faithful. And, um, this is still silver chair, right? This silver is, chair, uh, yeah. it is not the last battle. It is not the last battle. I have the only book that's not included in this album. It is come further come up, further come up, further in. Oh, I didn't recognize it at first. I guess it's with the, um, cheap imitation. And then the, it just skips to the we'll very, to very end. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It's, it's a lot it, it, more symbolism than actual scene taking. Right. Um, so uh, this the part B of the song, it is so. There is only one blood could have done what I have done. This part of the song is really intense uh, for it being a very acoustic guitar-driven song. Uh, it has some repetitions, and it has like this. Um, it, it, it just, yeah, it, it has very quick lyrics, very similarly similar sounding lyrics going back and forth um and it well, kind of builds and builds and builds go ahead yeah i mean like it it changes it's it it's not the same tune it's like one of those songs where it's not just like verse chorus verse chorus it's like you the first half it's like an a b and b is very right. different from yeah it's dynamic it's, it yeah. is. It's, it's really similar to like Yusuf Scrub did that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and then Puddle Glum's Anthem did that as well. And so this is the third song in a row that has kind of a part B. And in all three of them, I feel like the part B is is more interesting than the rest of the song. Like it's the part yep. A is very Narnia and the part B is more meditating on what this what I was about to say the part B tends to have the most truth. Which yeah. I think is why she makes that more striking. Yes. Interesting. And then she has I think this, use of scrubs is probably the best example of that. It is. Um, the song begins with this acoustic guitar kind of going boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the strumming pattern. And in the very last line, it's I am in the light. I am in the shade. I am in the wind. I am in the waves. So it brings that back. So it ends on the same melody as, as the beginning guitar part. And, uh, and I, and I like that. It's kind of like this idea of the omnipotence or the omnipresence of God. You know, I'm in the light. I am in the shade. I am in the wind. I am in the waves. And then we have the word waves as the last word in that song. And then we get to what I am pretty sure is FNH's favorite song because it, it is, is also my favorite song. It's, it's, and it's we have talked about the song two. together. Yeah. It's definitely top two for sure. I think it's, this is my favorite one in the, in the album. And I've I, read almost all this agree. book within the last year. So that's well, and that's and to be honest, too. as I pointed out a little bit earlier in the podcast, this is, one of the best books as well. It's not my yes. favorite book, but it is by far the top two. And I think most people I've talked to have agreed. Yeah. I have met one or two weird people that don't like Horse and His Boy, but most I, people agree it to be wow. one of the best. It is so, good. Like I've heard my, it's like one of the worst, but 
No. See, it is. Well, if, if you're on, the, if you're on not the B, and you go and ask um, which is the best uh, out of the books, if you're on, if you're in the group, the uh, Parliament of Owls group, which is a group just talking about C.S. Lewis works, based off the a Parliament of Owls in the Silver Chair. Um, yeah, uh, they most of them would keep uh, Horse and His Boy as in the top two, top three. Yeah, I think Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe is just it's classic. It's uh, it's good beginning end. It's just a fantastic book. I think Horse and His Boy is just slightly beneath that, and then um, Magician's Nephew for me is right below that. Close, but no cigar. It's Magician's Nephew is the number one book, and then. <laughs> Parsons boy. Yeah. Magician's nephew is really good. We'll get Number there. three, I'd probably put Voyage Don Treader. Okay. So you don't like the, the line, the witch in the wardrobe? I do, but it's not my top three. Got it. That's fair. I would still, agree. it doesn't it's have, fair. it doesn't it's, have reapy cheap in it. So it's hard. No, no, exactly. What, why exactly. Reapy cheap is what makes Prince Caspian and reapy cheap comes into even greater fruition of the Don Treader. Also, yeah. seeing Reaper Cheap in an Odyssey fashion, what's not yes. to love? Dawn Treader should have been the best book. I will say that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think was, I, I, I'd still put it on my top the, three. Yeah. Last Dawn Battle Treader is my was, least favorite. And I feel like most Last Battle is everyone's least favorite. Last Battle, it all just falls apart. And it's not even that it ends, it's just that it falls apart. It, it does. Just, anyway. anyway, Shasta's complaint. You want to? <laughs> let's, let's go yeah, into that. Yeah, let's get to it. Anyway, so, as it's still as one of the best said, books. And the, the last songs. last song says, I am in the light, I am in the shade, I am in the wind, I am in the waves. Shasta's complaint begins, waves that beat upon the shore. They brought no peace. Somewhere else I must belong, somewhere for me. Who was it left me there, a boy scared and alone? No, I don't think you heard me. I, I don't think you heard me calling. Always thought he must not know. Surely he would never leave me, wouldn't leave me here alone. You tell me now that I was never on my own. Well, pardon me. I don't remember you at all. Because with my back against the tomb, I called you out. But I don't think I heard your answer. I don't think I heard a sound. I don't recall you in my anger or remember you around. But he answered, who are you to question me? Do you command the mountains or calm the raging sea? For I am the current there to save your life. A man may find his eye deceiving. A fool holds on to trust his sight. A wise man knows that his own feeling may not with the truth align. And you think that you have never seen my face, but every moment you're alive, you know my grace. For only death in this whole world is justly deserved. And you say that I never answer just because you have not heard, but you don't know yet how to listen or to understand my words. My love, I cared for you. I was the comfort you felt in the house of the dead. I drove from you, the beasts in the night. All of this I have done while you slept, all by my design. Every chapter and word, I've written every line, all by my design. Every chapter and word, I've written every line. That's mm, very, uh, very reformed thinking right there. Yes, it has a little bit of Job thrown in there. A little bit? A little bit. Very, very slight. I feel like there's a lot of Job, of Job right here. I think this is the entire last half of Job. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. 
Well, and can we also... Especially the line, who are you to question me? I don't even <laughs> think that's in the book. I think that's straight from Job. I don't think that's in the horse of this boy. Yes, I think so. I don't think Aslan responds that way. I mean, he kind of responds in an essence that way, but he does not directly say that. Whereas yeah. in Job, God does. That's his first. Yeah. where His first line was, where were you? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that seems more out of Job than out of that scene, which if, for those who are not familiar with... Um, this whole scene comes from when Shasta is riding by himself on a, on a cliff path and Aslan is speaking to him. Well, he is, but you have to remember that he finally realizes who it is that has been chasing him all this time throughout yeah, the entire does, does know during the conversation. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, he. I don't think he recognizes Aslan when they're speaking to one another. And he doesn't. And he also doesn't recognize too that he's on a cliff path. It's dark. He can't see anything right. in this right. scene. And Aslan is, while he's talking to him, is guiding the horse away from the cliff to make sure it doesn't fall off. So, another point where he also saves um, Shasta again. And and it's important to know that the horse's name is Breeze. It's important to know. <laughs> That's he's right. A, he's a very smart horse because he's been around dumb horses all his life. <laughs> yes. Only until he meets the, the the talking horses from Narnia that he's not as smart as he thought he was. I love that part. Anyway, that's not the part. Well, of, that's not the scene of the song, though. It, right. But um, the horse is a wonderful character in this book. Um, The horse and his boy should give a clue as to just how the horse thinks about life. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun. You know, what's really cool here too, is the way that it brings back calls back to the very first song into the lantern waste at the very end. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if maybe you're going to meet, uh, or mention that, but um, I, so I don't mean to steal it from you, but um, no, it was the comfort you felt in the house of the dead that not yeah. only does the song change to be the, bring back the tune from my dog agrees from into the lantern waste, but it's also calling back to that uh, idea of, but the comfort will come if you search for the truth. And, um, and it also brings in, the uh you, you know the 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 death and the the blood for blood type mm-hmm. imagery yeah. uh from some of the other songs so um it's kind of neat like where does this come this is number eight in the track listing so uh yes. it's almost like beginning it's like the pre bringing everything back together type song uh, but it's like, hey, remember all this that we've been talking about? Um, That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. What I was going to yeah. mention was in the beginning, you know, with the, it, to me, this is the best cross line. You know how we were talking about which each track has a line that yeah. brings it to the next song. To me, this is the best one because you were talking about omniscience yeah. uh, and omnipresence. Um, I am in the waves. And then it goes to Shasta's complaint waves that beat upon the shore. If you've read the story, you find out that Shasta was picked up by a fisherman uh, and was taken care of by the fisherman rather poorly, um, but still taken care of nonetheless. 
and you find out later, according to Aslan, it's because the um, king lost him when someone tried to kid- kidnap him. They lost him. They couldn't find him after that. And it was Aslan that pushed the waves to take Shasta to the shoreline to be taken care of by the fishermen. So it goes back to not only just the tagline that brings them together, but also the very omniscient and um, omnipotence and omnipresence that God has that Aslan, the character we've representing God has, you know, that goes back to that last line that you're talking about with all my design. Yeah. Which is very Um, reformed thinking. It is. Um, some of my favorite moments in this song are that there's some really subtly written lines that are just beautiful where um, we're in like verse two, it says, but I don't think I heard your answer. I don't think I heard a sound. It doesn't say, but you did not answer. You did not make a sound. It says, I don't think I heard your answer. And it kind of sounds, it's, it's the way that it's delivered is really snarky you know, well, pardon me. I don't remember you at all. Um, Cause in the back of the gets it to him, I called you out, but I don't think I heard your answer. I don't think I heard a sound. I don't recall you in my anger or remember you around. And see, and that then, seems to me to be the most insulting right there. When he said, I don't even, I don't even recall you in my anger. You yeah. know, I have a lot to be angry about and I don't even know. I don't even remember that. Remember you, you know, yeah. with me being angry. So right. That's I mean, like in makes, a, insulting in an insignificant way. Yeah, it is insulting, but at the same time, he's not making an objective statement like I didn't like you did not answer. He's not necessarily blaming Aslan or saying you didn't he hear doesn't me. know him. He doesn't know him. But um right. but then when Aslan comes in, you know, he says, you know, uh, uh you know, a man may find his eye deceiving, a fool holds on to trust his sight, a wise man knows that his own feeling may not with the truth align, and then um, and you say I'd never, uh, you say that I never answer just because you have not heard, but you don't know yet how to listen or to understand my word. Uh, man, that is just so powerful. This, I think, this is her most successful song on the album. I would have to agree. It's it's the best one. The best one for the best book. Yep, one of the best books. Number two, number two book. <laughs> it's definitely it's it's definitely a close second. It's a very very good book. Um, and I just love, and you think it, it remind one of the reasons I said this is a very reformed song is that, uh, you know, being a Calvinist, you always, not always, uh, and the, the arguments have become a lot more subtle, but you, uh, especially for the people who first hear it, they, always the response is that's not fair. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem fair. And my mom's all response always was, well, what's fair is that you all die. Yep. That's what's fair. You know, there is no fairness in being able to choose your salvation. What's fair is that everyone just perishes in eternal fire. Uh, it is completely, you're right, it is completely unfair that we are saved, but it's unfair in either viewpoint. The beauty of grace is that it makes life unfair. Mm-hmm. The great Matt Thiessen. And so, of course, he says, and you think that you have never seen my face, but every moment you're alive, you know my grace. For only death in this whole world is justly deserved. And you say that I never answer just because you have not heard. But you don't know how to listen or to understand my words, which you already said that part. But I mean, 
it's right there. It's a really good point. And then, yeah, the structure, it's like verse one, verse two, verse three, verse four. And then it kind of goes again into the part B that my love, I cared for you. I was the comfort you felt in the house of the dead. Mm -hmm. And it just gets really intense. I drove from you the beasts in the night. All of this I have done while you slept all by my design, every chapter and word I've written, every line. Um, my one complaint about Shasta's complaint is her emphasis. She doesn't her always get her emphasis. It, like every chapter and word I've written, every line. So it's it's not her always emphasis. Yes, that's what I said. I thought you said Mufasa. <laughs> I said who to it again? Emphasis. Her emphasis. <laughs> Speaking of lions. <laughs> um, so speaking of Star Wars and lions, do you find it interesting that both James Earl Jones and Liam Neeson both played lions in different movies? Yeah. Fun fact tonight. This is the kind of quality that you've come to expect, listener, from the Balm and Gilead podcast. And Will Smith was a, did not play a lion at all. No, no, he didn't. Well, he's, I mean, you never know. He might. Uh, he, didn't even, he didn't even play in the new African one. No, but he was, well, he was Aladdin. No, he wasn't Aladdin. He was the genie. No, he wasn't Aladdin. He was the genie. He I meant to say Robert the genie. Williams. He was in Aladdin. He was in Aladdin. He was the genie. Anyway. Well, that's something. All right. If he was so, Raja, that would have been something, but. True. At so least every, it would be in the cat family. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So. Every chapter and word I've written, every line is the last line of that song. The next song starts with the word lines from the spell. Um, mm. So Diggory's regret. Lines, it's up there. Man, it's, it's up there. It's up there. Magician's Nephew is pretty solid. It's almost yeah. like Lewis was like, hmm, you know, I really want to start the series out right. And now that I've kind of like explored Narnia so fully, now that I've now that I'm I've written going to six, go ahead and write. Now that I've written five book. other books, now that I've written five other books, I will go ahead and write book number one because that makes sense. It does, and it fits perfectly. <laughs> Works Lion, great. This was Lion, the first Narnia book I had ever listened to, so it works. It does. You work. just didn't know because y'all didn't start off with that book. Yeah, that's true. Um, just pointing it out lines from the spell that were meant for destruction words tasted bitterly sweet on my tongue polly warned me but i wanted freedom even then i knew just what i'd done la da 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 um no one says it but mother is dying no one says it but we're all afraid i can hear what they say in the hallways whispering on the number of days now a genesis newly corrupted now a story to start with a fall, all because I can never keep quiet, just a tongue that brings ruin to all. Wait, I hear a voice that's singing a song I've never known before. The very chord awakens and praises its maker as the earth is formed. Wait, I see there in the lion's eye a tear much greater than my own. Could it be that he possesses a greater love than I ever known? There's a missing part here. Is there? Yeah, because it, it, this is because this is like the, I think the only song that do, does three different tunes, and um, 
third one is not included here when it says, um, I will sing your song till the day I die. It's like, the oh, last yeah, line. yeah, yeah, that is the last line. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, I will sing your song till the day I die. Yeah, it was kind of a little aside at the end. I missed it. Yeah. And it's uh, Diggory's uh, commitment to Aslan after he um, comes back without, uh, he brings the fruit back without stealing it like Jay just wanted him to do. After disobeying the whole book, he finally obeys when it was the hardest to obey. Yeah. So Magician's Nephew, it's a prequel. So the little boy, Diggory, ends up becoming the professor in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Come on. Sorry. For all you people who want to read this is book number five or six. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be book number six. That's a long time to wait to read this good book. Well, might as well read it earlier. But if but if you read this one first, then then you're having to read uh, the horse and his boy is book number five. No, the horse's boy is book number three. Three. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm joshing. But then you Can't have to wait for you have to wait for silver chair to be number five. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. Let's do that. Let's do it that and way. See, it makes more sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. Silver chair is book number six. We have a convert. That is true. Let's just push it back. Let's just keep pushing it yeah. back. Yeah, and then last I just have to take yeah last like it should be. Just yeah, just read. Yeah, anyway. So um, his his uh, uncle, Uncle Andrew, um, he's kind of a turd in this book. He kind uh, of? he is. Um, you don't. No wait, he's see too he's much from him, but yeah, he's, he's pretty. Tree. He's pretty bad. Anytime you it's see a, him, he's he's pretty rotten. He is. He they, locks they him up in the. Oh, does he lock him up there? He does, doesn't he? In the uh, attic? No, he he can no, he convinces no, he, 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 he gives he, he tricks he, gives, he tricks Polly into grabbing one of the rings and she disappears that's from right. his plane of existence. That's right. And then he's yeah, like, right. Well, you can get her back, but you have to go and do that. You have to bring it. He's like, Why don't you go yourself? I'm not gonna do yeah. that. Why would I risk my life? I'll risk your life instead. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, Quality human being. I forget the timeline as far as the actual real world timeline of C.S. Lewis and, and his, um, and his, uh, wife. Um, and I forget her name, but he marries an American who was very sick and she already had two sons from a previous Mm -hmm. marriage. And she was divorced. She was, yeah, she was divorced. And, and, um, yeah, I, I like it. Makes sense. But um, I don't remember if he had started writing this book before all of this happened or not, or if a lot of this book was inspired by her story or not. But um, published in 1955, if that helps. It does not. Um, <clears throat> but the story of, of his of his wife is very similar to the story of this where his wife or before they were married and when he just knew her and was friends with her, she got very, very sick. He kind of befriended her sons cause they were big fans of him. And, uh, he kind of was doing like a mentor thing. Um, I could be getting some of this a little bit off, but she almost died, but then she just, she had a recovery and then he married her and then she ended up dying. And then he wrote a book about his grief and he used a pen name, and as he was grieving, a lot of his friends said, 
Hey, I think you should read this book and I think it would be very helpful for you. And he was like, yeah, I wrote it. Boom. What a twist. (laughs) Burn. So, uh, that's all that I remember from it, but I'm not a Lewis scholar. Um, so in the scene, so they end up going to the world between the worlds, which they should have totally brought that back, but they couldn't have brought it back because this was the second to last book written. If he had written this book first, they could have brought it back because that was a really I'm cool not thing. arguing that he wrote it first. I'm just saying chronologically, I know. I know that's where it goes. I know. I'm just saying, oh, chronologically, yes, absolutely. That's where it goes, but that you don't necessarily have to read it chronologically. Um, so anyway... Uh, the world between the worlds, they take the, they take one of the rings, they will go to this world between the worlds. And then there's these pools. And if they jump into the pool, wearing the other ring, then they'll go to the, the green ring. They wear the green rings. The yellow rings take them to the world between the worlds. Okay. I and forgot. The green rings which. take them to whatever world, whatever world they jump into, whatever so, world pool they jump into. So they pick a random one and go in and it leads them to a dying world of Charn where they, the cold red sun. The cold red sun. So they Such, are going around these ruins. There's no one around. And then there's this room that's really creepy. So where creepy. All these people sitting in chairs, but they're like dead or f- frozen. Yeah, they're like statues. wax. Yeah. And as you go down the table, they get creepier and creepier and creepier until the one at the very end is the creepiest of all. And then they find this bell. And I'm sure that Grant has it pulled up right now. What is the inscription on the bell, Grant? Make your choice, adventurous stranger. Strike the bell and bide the danger, or wonder till it drives you mad. What would have followed if you had? Yeah. So then they have this argument, like, should we mm-hmm. ring it? And Polly's like, no, don't ring Polly it. Polly doesn't danger. want to. She's a no, little it's scared. danger. Polly warned him. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it's danger. Don't do it. He's like, yeah, but but I'll go crazy if I don't do it because I'll wonder forever what what would have happened if I had. And so he takes the bell and he rings it. And that's how Jadis wakes up. She is the statue at the very end. That's crazy looking. And she explains that she uttered the deplorable word that ended all life on Charn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was basically the new, the nuclear code. Yeah. uh, Cause she was losing her war she, and she pitched a fit and used the deplorable word to end all life. But what about all the people who, you know, like the normal people who cares about the normal people? Right. Uh, I did find it interesting that, um, it, it, apparently the bell inscription, which I don't remember this, but it was first undecipherable magically. Yeah. The, inscri- yes. the inscription transformed so they could read it. Into but it's English, kind of a pure form of an in- temptation. Right. And so it transcribed it into metric rhyming English. So whatever, whatever the language was that you spoke, I guess it would, it would translate it into that. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was was interesting. So that's the lines from the spell that were meant for the destruction. Um, I like the words tasted bitterly sweet on my tongue. Um, That that was a really, really cool line. I like how the music in the first Mm -hmm. part is this waltz. It's it's a waltz, but it almost reminds you of a like a creepy nursery rhyme. Yeah, with the waltz, it does. It does. It's got a very Tim Burton esque sound it does. to it. Randy Elfman could have written this mm-hmm. one. You're saying, yeah, which fits perfectly with Charn. Yeah, in my opinion, it fits perfectly because the story is creepier. Because I mean, 
Charn is a dead world that was destroyed by one woman's anger um, and all is dead. And you find out towards the end of the book, I mean, because time works wonky in the world between worlds, you come to find out, um, especially since uh, the you've, uh, which you already know with the Narnia books, unless you read that book first and you don't know, but the Narnia takes place faster than time than um, the old, the, the, than Earth. In our world. But yeah. when they get out of Charn, the pool dries up, which means one, they can't ever go back to it again. And two, that world was already destroyed. So yeah, they really didn't have a long time to be there <laughs> before it would yeah. have been destroyed, which just right. makes it even more creepy. When so it makes they... you wonder, is it tied because of Jadis? This is it the only reason it stayed alive or. Yeah. That's um, interesting. You know, so then, then they accidentally bring her to earth for a little bit where they should cause this run in. She causes havoc. Mm-hmm. She has run in with a cabbie. She breaks a a an arm off of a off of a lamp post, and then they she's grab an her. Evil Ooh. Ooh, and so then yeah, she's an evil. A lamp post, you say? A lamp post, I say. And then they go back to the world between the worlds, and they jump into another pool, and it's dark, absolute darkness. Mm-hmm. Nothing. They don't know what's going on. They're very kind of freaking out, and then they start hearing this song. A vo- wait, I hear a voice that's singing a song I've never known before. The very chord awakens and praises its maker as the earth is formed. And so uh, we have this Genesis story where Aslan is singing and he sings at, uh, he sings Narnia into existence um, and trees just start growing up out of the ground. Animals start sprouting up out of the ground and, and all this beauty, like the, the description of the creation of Narnia was just wonderful. Uh, the lamppost ends up getting stuck and in the ground. Diggory and Diggory can't keep his well, mouth shut. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Um, so yeah, well, so wasn't it, uh, Jadis doesn't like the lion. She's, she recognizes this, this is a really bad deal. And she, and she, she chucks she the, well, no, yeah. well, first she chucks. Oh the, yeah, she does. She chucks the the lamp lamppost lamp thing at her. Adam and he which squats uh, it and it lands. Everything is growing, and this, of course, grows into the famous lamppost. Yeah, from the line the witch in the wardrobe, the the lantern waste, if you will, is the area. Is the lantern the waste, of, if you will, is the is the name of the the spot where the the lantern post is from Spaum. Spaum. And so there's also a cool toffee tree that exists. The cabbie's horse becomes a Pegasus. A um, bunch of cool stuff happens in a magician's nephew. Um, but they go on a trek. They make it to the this garden that's way off in the distance. There's a gate you can enter by or you can jump the wall. But Why are they there? The though? Why did they go there? They went there because let me see if I can remember it all. Uh, he needs to get an apple to help his mom and his and um, and Aslan says if you bring an apple to me, if you go by the gate and bring it to me, then I will help you. Um, but I don't think that's why he sends him that way. I think he sends him that way because Diggory spoke, which kind of screwed up creation, and he said, "Go get it to come and bring it back to me, and I'll fix it." Yeah. It's probably true. And as well. then it was Jadis that tempted yeah. Diggory 
with taking the fruit back to his mother. Yeah. So right. Jadis, I, don't, I don't think there was a promise to be, it was going to be given to his mother. Right. There was no promise to be given to his mother. He said that he will, yeah, Aslan just said that I'll fix it. Um, and so Jadis jumps the wall, takes the fruit and eats it herself. Um, and which Peter reminds goes, me of Pilgrim's Progress for some reason. Oh, very, very, very similar to Pilgrim's Progress. You go because the other people went by the, the jumped the wall and didn't get the clothes or something. Yeah, they uh, jumped the wall and then they were supposed to go up the hill of difficulty, but one goes one way and falls and never gets up again, and the other one goes the other way. And I think yeah, he they do try and go around the mountain. And yeah, they try to go around the mountain and they both die because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because they always find the easy way to do it. Right. And so um, anyway, right. So Diggory goes to the gate and Jada says, take it and and bring it to your mother yourself. And, um, and so he takes it and he brings it back to Aslan. Like he was asked, um, all of the other smart animals think that Andrew is a tree. And so they try to plant him and they throw all sorts of food at him and he can't hear them because he has turned off his mind to, this reality that he can't comprehend of talking animals. And so he just hears them yeah. making Uncle regular Andrew things. just goes, he goes crazy. He, he goes pretty crazy, which is um, pretty fitting. We also get a cool uh, warning that says, you know, you animals, you, you animals are no longer dumb animals. You're smart animals. However, if you stop following me, you will become a dumb animal again. And that to me is Romans 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also comes back in the last battle, but, um, yes. Yeah. We also see it in horse and his boy too, because there are dumb animals outside of Narnia. Well, there's always dumb animals outside of Narnia. Not all the animals are smart. Right. But it's because they were subjugated by the, um, by the Kalormans. Okay. So had they, had they been smart at one point and became dumb, because they're always so. they're always dumb animals. Because it's it's animal. the world that he created, not just the country. Right. Yeah. He created the whole world, but he created a bunch of animals and he set some aside to become smart. And he and some of them are always meant to be dumb. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some of them are rather... to talk, and some of them are just to be normal dumb creatures. Animals. I got now you. the now the bear in Prince Caspian, I think, may have once been a smart bear, but had become a dumb bear that tried to attack Lucy. And I don't remember if that was in the book or just in the movie. But. Yeah, because a lot of them went dumb when the, um, when the, what were they called? The Talmudians? The, the race from the, from, no, the the race that took over Narnia before Prince Caspian. And the, the Talmarines? Yeah, the Talmarines. That's right. And the Talmarines got rid of all the talking animals. Yeah. They all had to go into hiding. And a yeah, lot of them kinda, became dumb because of it. Yeah, they, they pulled a far quad and tried to get rid of all of the magical fairy tale creatures. <laughs> Some of you may die, but it is a sacrifice I, I am willing to make. make. <laughs> One of the greatest lines in that terrible movie. It's uh, a great line. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah. so you have the next part, which the the the, the tune changes. You yeah. know, um, to a more flowing. They still have that that waltz beat, yeah. We but it, it it's a lot more flowing rather than choppy like the first bit. Song I've never in that in that three by three time. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, the whole song is three, but is 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 a waltz. But yeah, it it does yeah. go into this more legato kind of. And it's describing the song that Aslan. Yeah, it's describing the song that Aslan is singing, and then yeah, you are right that there is an aside at the end, like I'll sing your song until the day I die. Um, which is Diggory committing himself to Aslan, which is what he does. You don't see it in the song, but in the book, he decides to follow Aslan rather than his own temptation of taking it back to his dying mother to save her. Yeah. And Aslan so, rewards him by letting him give it to his mother. Well, he doesn't give him that apple. He plants the apple and it creates another tree. And then that tree creates a different apple that's not the same as the one before. And then he's able to take that apple. Oh, that's right. Mom. And and he asks Aslan, if I took this first apple, would it have healed my mom? He said it would have, but it wouldn't have healed her the right way. She would have become basically immortal and would have gone mad. Mm -hmm. And Jadis became immortal and went mad. Um, And that's why she's still in the language and the wardrobe, um, even though it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. So then he takes the... The new apple to his mom she eats it and becomes well and then they plant the seeds in that and it creates another tree um, that just bears regular apples however sometimes the tree doesn't respond to the wind in our world it responds to the wind in narnia and then one day there's a big storm and the tree fell over and so they chopped it up and turned it into a wardrobe dun 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 also, too, the rings were planted with the tree, if I'm with not With the mistaken. tree, they were. Yeah, the rings were planted with the tree. And I think that helped with the magic, with the traveling magic. Although Aslan did say you'll not be able to travel that way again. Yeah. By the rings, normal. I think. That's pretty normal. Which the weird well, thing is, is whole... and, and, and they don't explore it, which is a good thing, I think. But it leads you to wonder, Uncle Andrew got those rings from his, his fairy godmother. godmother. Who is a fairy. Yes. Which is, yeah, it's just like, oh, a fairy godmother. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's just, it's just left there, like, without explanation. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder, like, okay, what in the world were they getting into? And it was it was made from dirt from another world. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know how they became yellow and green, but they did. Magic. Magic. Um, he wasn't a real magician. He just he took other people's magic and pawned it off as his own. And so we have this kind of idea of this song uh, that, that I'll sing till the day I die. And then uh, the next song come further up starts. There's a song that I've wanted to sing for so long, but the tune is just out of my grasp. I may see for a moment when the light reflects gold, but so delicate slips from my hand. Every word that I sing is a cheap imitation of the things that I don't understand. Light reflecting on water, the picture gets harder to see uh, with the eye of a man. I hear, come further up, come further in. The greatest story none on earth have read. So I'll search for the melody offering everything till I am called out by name. As the chord that was struck on the strings of my heart is still echoing throughout my frame. And when this long day ends and the morning begins and the song that has found me I'll sing, written over my bones in a carving on stone by a rose, let my, my, let my epitaph read, come further up, come further in. My greatest story has yet to be read. 
marvel of marvels of all that he said, I who am nothing, he called the loved. It's a good ending of the album. It is a great ending of the album. It's a lot harder to get that it's supposed to be the last battle. It's it's the it's kind of the epitaph. The only of, thing is the, the come of come, well, and the yeah. come further up, come further in. I think Aslan tells them to come further as they're going through the new Narnia. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 and the they, afterlife. They, they 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 run up the waterfall and yeah, all that stuff. And they say it like a billion times: "Come further up, come further in," uh, over and over yes. again. And it's it's the very, 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 very end of the book. Although I think the cheap imitation, now that you mention it, I think the cheap imitation obviously is pointing to, um, uh, oh, what was his name? The donkey that dressed up in the lion skin. Yeah. Who's supposed to be um, the Antichrist? Puzzle. Puzzle. In. Tashlan. Tashlan. So the theology and then Tash of, shows up. Yeah. And That's Ginger. The best part of and, that then, book. and then Aslan shows up. And Ginger the cat becomes a dumb cat. Um mm-hmm. yeah, there's all the sorts of stuff. The dwarves are for the dwarves. The dwarves are for the dwarves. And then there's the whole uh, yeah, Tash, since he's evil, he can't take any worship. So if you tried to worship Tash, you're actually worshiping me. And since I am good, you can't actually curse me. And so if you try to curse me, you're actually cursing Tash. Like, uh... Yeah, except for that... Except for that um, fourth commandment. Or third commandment. Fourth commandment. No. Third. Third. Third Name in vain? Yeah. Yeah. What What do you have against the Sabbath? No, I'm saying like that was... I know that that, that that commandment obviously points to that you can I got you. curse God. It's not a good idea. And right. um, it's not like it's going to hurt God in a physical or spiritual sense, but it is insulting and he will pay you back for yeah. that. Unless you repent. Sin. Yeah, it is a sin. Deserving yeah. of death. So Lewis was what the, what, what the, what the cool kids call an inclusivist. So it's not the same as a universalist. A universalist is if you worship or not, it doesn't matter what you do, you go to heaven. An inclusivist is if you have faith in something, you will go to heaven. And as that's long kinda, as you're sincere. As long as you're sincere. And I, can't, I don't agree with you there, buddy. Um, so it's I don't think she does either. Stuff. And so I think that she just kind of skipped that part. Um, sort of skip that part um so come further up come further in i i I like the imagery it reminds me of in scripture when it talks about like uh the glory of the sun versus the glory of the candle um how moses and the law kind of gave us this candle that seems bright in a dark room but then when the sun comes you can't even see the flame of the candle anymore um i think that's one of the more interesting images in scripture anyway but I kind of like that idea of, you know, the, the cheap imitation, you know, of the things like light reflecting on water, the picture gets harder to see with the eyes of a man, you know, this, this idea of, I've got this thing. I can kind of picture it in my mind, but I can't quite get there, but eventually one day it will all be clear. My greatest story has yet to be read. None on earth have read. Well, that's yeah. the end. 
No, I know, but I'm just saying like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and we also get back to this idea of this, this book being written. Um, my greatest story is yet to be read. None on earth have read, um, going back to the beginning, you know, where he's got the paper and pen written over my bones and a carving on stone. Yeah. It's, you can see a lot of, uh, revelation symbol in there too. Yeah. Especially when it's like the story that has not been read. It makes me think of the scroll. Yeah. That has yet to be opened that no one can open except for the lamb who's worthy to open the scroll. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the only reason that that pairs is just because this is supposed to be a end time scenario um, that draws a lot of symbolism from that. And that's the only reason why I make that connection. It's not like it's being super clear there. Yeah. So, but it's a good finish. It it goes all the way back to the uh, beginning of truth. Yeah. You know, it's like now come now you have some truth, but it's still not all truth. Come further up, come further in, come find more truth. Yeah. You know, almost as an encouragement to the listener as it ends. Absolutely. Which again, wraps it back to the very first part. Um, first song into the lantern waste where it's asking, are you looking for truth? Are you, uh, you, you know, um, what are you looking for? Uh, and the, then it ends here with an encouragement to keep on seeking uh, that truth. I, I would imagine. Yeah, because yeah. Susie doesn't do that. Susie just mm, stays. That's sad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think Lewis wrote later that she would have eventually. Yeah. yeah. But he, he write he, he he leaves it open. It seems like he kind of regret writing that, at least the way it, it, it sounded to me. But I mean, the truth of the matter was she she basically is the symbol of apostasy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. right there. And she, because of that, she does not get to join her family in their death to go to Narnia's last days. Because yeah. spoiler alert, everyone dies. Everyone does. Yeah. All of them. Every single one of them. Except for Susan. Um, Lewis himself. Yeah. Lewis said that, um, that he believes that, that Susan would eventually come back, but that the story or that her story would not be a children's story. It will, it would be a more mature story and that he did not feel like it was like he was the person to write it. He actually encouraged others someone else to write the story for Susan and many people kind of wrote their, their Susan story. So there are a lot of stories out there that exist of Susan coming back to the, into the fold, but um, none of them are Canon. Are some more Canon than others or I have no idea. Like, I've not I feel done like I should, I feel like I shouldn't Google Susan uh, fan fiction. Yeah, but it was encouraged by Lewis for people to write Susan, Susan fan fiction. Um, huh. Yeah, I have a daughter named Susan. She was named after Susan. So. Susan the apostate. Susan the apostate. <laughs> Not because probably of that reason. Probably should call her that. <laughs> it's all right. I also have a son whose middle name is Ransom. So, I mean, I'm a fan of Lewis. Well. So, we, uh, so, we've gotten through this whole album. 
Into the Lantern Waste by Sarah Sparks. Uh, I said at the beginning that I think this is one of the most successful, if not the most successful concept album uh, that I have ever heard, where she had these goals of taking the Chronicles of Narnia, taking scenes from them and, and comparing them with scripture and then applying that to her life and to our lives. And, and, and I, I think she just did a, a beautiful job. And on top of that, she did not let the art uh, suffer. Like this is just very beautifully written. The, the poetry is just excellent. The, the music is excellent. I have some minor quibbles with some of the way that she emphasizes words. Um, but as I said, Mufasas. those are very, they're Mufasas, her emphasis. Um, and maybe a couple moments here and there that, that are, are less clear. Um, but this is just beautiful album. I'll be listening to this album for years to come. My kids love it. We listen to it in the car, um, a lot. So yeah, this one, I will, I'm sure to see this on my, uh, on my, uh, 2022 wrapped in here in about six months or so. Um, do you guys have any final words you'd like to say about this album and only this album and nothing else? Um, it's a 10 out of 10. I love it. I really do. It's a great album. Yeah, it is a great album. And, uh, despite our, uh, joking with Joshua in the promised land, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, getting into the world of Narnia with you folks. And uh, I am once again, encouraged to uh, read the rest of it to the kids. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're curious about what that was about Josh from the promised land, please stay tuned for a bonus episode or two, or maybe three, because we got off on a few tangents tonight, but they were fun, well-deserved. And thank you F and H for coming back again. We, uh, Hope to have you on many more times. Uh, and uh, I don't so know as why. We, I don't know why either. But because you're fun. Because you're great. I feel like I just slow, slow y'all down. Oh, you do. Kind but of on purpose. Such the, in the best ways. It's, it's, but it's the sweetest kind of pain. Oh, there you go. There we go. And that I will say, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. There is a bomb yet to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in the yet to heal the sin-sick soul. To never feel discouraged, Jesus is your listening to the Balm and Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at there is at balmcast.com. 
We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balm and Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback, so rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast.